Good morning, everyone, and happy Mother's Day. Uh, I'm John, and I'm Michelle, and we get the honor of sharing with you this morning. Usually, this is the part of the sermon where the guest speaker briefly runs through their role or involvement at Element. Uh, these days, we just say we do various things here, but most of the time, we have to say no or we can't do it because we're parents of two young boys. Uh, so I guess the only thing, though, that has remained constant is we still love Jesus and Element is our home church. Before we get started, uh, please stand as we read some of God's word. This is Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Let's pray. God, thank you for being a good father to us, and thank you for a day like today where we get to specifically celebrate and honor moms. And we thank you for the gift of our moms, and for some of us, the gift of motherhood itself. And we are thankful that you are wise and good, and you have promised to walk with us in every season of life. We love you. Amen. Please have a seat. So currently at Element, we are doing a series on the book of Proverbs that's called Counterculture. It's about wisdom, joy, and creating a culture that honors Jesus in all things. Um, Aaron had this idea that Mother's and Father's Day wouldn't actually pull out of the sermon series Proverbs, so hopefully it doesn't, although it's going to be pretty different than the last two weeks, especially if you were here. Um, But what we've been talking about so far is that knowledge comes fast and wisdom comes slow, and wisdom is usually gained through life experience. There were a lot of things we thought we knew before children, um, but we have gained a lot of wisdom um, in actually living this out now. So we are able to see what we didn't know, and we are able now to grow in relationship with each other, Jesus, and community um, in various ways, wait for it, that we didn't see coming. Dad joke. <laughs> I've got this. So we had the privilege and challenge of sharing on Mother's Day a couple years ago. And at that point, we had talked about our experience with miscarriage, our desire for children, and how God was growing us in our understanding of his goodness and plans for our lives. And quite a bit has happened since then. <laughs> so to catch you up on our story, we actually experienced a second pregnancy and miscarriage later that year. And we were struck by the reality of infertility and potential future losses. We faced more heartbreak, frustration, envy, impatience, you name it, as we grappled with grief and an unknown future for our family. And then in probably the most poetic and hilarious answer God (laughs) could give to our prayers, we learned we were pregnant with twins last March. And by the way, for those of you that knew Bev Lear, who's since passed away, she used to play keys in the band with us. She routinely prayed for a double dose of joy for us, which I think is awesome. So I wish I had video footage to share with you guys of that doctor's appointment when we found out it was twins. But all I remember is nervously laughing and crying. And a bunch of people came in to say things that we have no remembrance of. And then John was clearly not in his right mind either because he was handing out his social security number. I think they were asking for, like, your phone number or something. (laughs) So to say we were shocked would be putting it mildly. (laughs) So twin pregnancy brought along its own unique challenges, but God was really faithful to bring us through each one. Because of our previous losses, I especially faced a lot of fear of miscarriage in the early months. 
it was really hard for me to accept that I would actually be meeting our babies. Every milestone that we reached was this reason for celebration, but then it felt almost like the stakes were higher and I was afraid to bond even more with our kids. But gradually, God softened our hearts and allowed us to celebrate with our community, including you guys. And it was a really sweet healing time in light of what we had experienced before. And then after constant monitoring by our medical team and a few preterm labor scares, Elliot and Asher were born on October 16th, there they are, of last year on their scheduled delivery date. We were amazed that they were born at term, they were healthy, they didn't have any prolonged NICU stays, and they are now almost seven months old and happy, thriving kids. They're pretty cute. (laughs) I'm not biased, though. Uh, Because we've been pretty open with our story, one one thing people ask is if parenting has lived up to our expectations. My standard pat answer is it's harder and better than I thought it would be. Which pretty much sums it up. Um, so happy Mother's Day. I guess we could call it a day. Do brunch. Uh, let's get out of here. Um, but we actually do want to share a few of the surprises. And some of the largest blessings that God can give us, like children, um, can present us with a crazy amount of difficulty and challenges. So C.S. Lewis once said, Hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. We think the more honest we are about acknowledging these challenges, the more we can grow in trusting Jesus, and the better we can connect with each other in all circumstances that life offers. So, twins. (laughs) Honestly, twins were never on our radar. Uh, We don't come from a family where twins are on either side. So twins were just something that happened to you guys. Not, not us. Um, but then it, it did. And we weren't exactly jumping for joy when we found out. Um, I had to take the rest of the day off work just to kind of process. Uh, as I said, giving my social security a card out. So it was a good time. Um, in my mind, we had clearly told God what we wanted. We wanted a child. We wanted one baby, and we had this really nice expectation of what raising one baby would look like. And so we actually thought we'd be able to handle having one baby. Probably a foolish idea as well. Um, But everything we had envisioned, once again, was about just adding one baby into the mix. We were completely unprepared for twins in every aspect. We were asking ourselves questions of, how are we going to bond with two babies at once? How are we going to provide for them financially? Oh my gosh, they're going to drive and go to college at the same time. Whoa. Uh, So you name a worry, we had it. Um, But we had to acknowledge that we had very rigid expectations, which were probably flawed to begin with, and we had to learn how to reconcile that with our life. Mm Mm-hmm. So those first few months after they were born were a total blur for us because it felt like we were just in survival mode, I think, which we were. Um, I had this excellent delivery, which I was so grateful for, and we loved the care that we received at the hospital. But that first week was just chaotic and overwhelming. I had envisioned this warm, sweet stay, and we'd be cuddling our tiny, quiet babies in our cozy room. And 
instead, we were fighting to stay sane in the midst of pure exhaustion and a grueling schedule. And then we had these two babies whose schedules were not in sync. It was crazy. We had lived off a whiteboard instructing us when the next feeding or pumping session, blood sugar check, or doctor visit would be. And we had these charts we had to fill out for each baby because no one could keep them straight yet. (laughs) It was such a task-driven experience, honestly, that it was hard for me to even step back and enjoy the fact that our boys had arrived. I was having major breastfeeding struggles after planning on exclusively nursing for months. That alone brought a lot of disappointment. And then we had the threat of Elliot having to go to the NICU hanging over our heads throughout our stay. So I'd probably, or definitely, (laughs) the largest meltdown of my life on the third night in the hospital, feeling completely overwhelmed and inadequate. And I was wondering how we'd be able to do all this at home if we were struggling enough as is within the walls of a hospital. Eventually, though, somehow they felt we were fit to go home. So we left the hospital and were feeling terrified. And that alone was hard. Our homecoming wasn't the joyful experience I had thought it would be, even though the family welcoming us at home were elated, because, yay, grandkids. And because I wasn't brimming with happiness, I felt like I was already failing at being a mom in some way, especially since we had wanted kids so badly. But things did improve for a little bit after we returned home, uh, because we weren't we were in our familiar environment. We didn't have all those stressors of being in the hospital. It was great to not have people walking in and out every hour or so. But still, the breastfeeding issues continued. The sleep deprivation only got worse. And while there were a few days we felt like, okay, we have a handle on this, most of the time we felt like we were drowning. We get asked a lot of questions, but probably the most common after they find out it's twins is, are you guys sleeping? So let's talk a little bit about sleep. Uh, We are actually sleeping. Praise God. Uh, It is something that I will hopefully never take for granted ever again. Um, In my foolish youth, um, I completely underestimated sleep depravity. Um, My mom recalled a conversation before the boys were born um, where she was kind of talking about how are we going to deal with sleep or limited sleep. And apparently my response was, it's going to be okay. Um, We're young. We do things at night. We go to concerts. It'll just be like having a sleepover that doesn't end. (laughs) We were pretty foolish. So once again, wisdom comes through life experience. We now understand how important rest is for our well-being. It is truly a spiritual act. Um, Many crises of our faith were simply resolved by taking a nap. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) The first few weeks, we were so tired and sleep-deprived that we were actually hallucinating conversations, confusing our boys, and having kind of these morning recap sessions of everything that happened throughout the night. Sometimes it would be like an apology session, like when at 2 in the morning um, a baby was crying and Michelle was holding a baby, and she asked me to help. And I have no recollection of this, by the way. So it I, happened. I'm I pretty think. sure she's I'm lying. pretty sure it happened. Um, so she asked me to get the other baby, and my response was, I already helped, and I went back to sleep. So That was, that was a good one, yeah. And 
it's hard to know whether I was dealing with some postpartum anxiety or just experiencing the natural effects of exhaustion, but I had this sense of dread just hanging over me every day for the few months. It was hard. And there was one Sunday I remember, it was before Christmas, where I was actually sitting right back there. Hi, I see you. And I just lost it. Um, it was during Aaron's message on stress, and I was feeling so tired and overwhelmed, and it just hit way too close to home. And what's funny is that I told Aaron this, and he reminded me that that specific message was actually about Elizabeth and Zachariah learning they were having a baby. So it's timely. <laughs> And we knew our family doubling in size would be this tremendous change, but we really didn't understand how multifaceted that change would be. We were busy in this new kind of uh, monotonous, tedious way, and that change in pace was really jolting to us. I like to call those early months after they were born the baby vacuum because everything seemed to revolve around our boys' needs. And while it can still feel isolating at times, that feeling was really compounded before I went back to work just from being home almost all day. I'd envisioned all the things I would do outside the home with my new baby, singular, but I quickly realized the logistical challenges of being outnumbered by newborns. Between that and stepping back from a lot of our previous involvements, it was hard to accept the new reality, and there was definitely some grieving involved. Even now, we're constantly trying to find this balance between stretching ourselves and yet not overcommitting in this season of life. So Zechariah 4 has this verse that's really meant a lot to me lately. It mentions the day of small things. And some translations actually say, do not despise the day of small things. And it's often been easy for me to see the tedium of motherhood as insignificant. But I know what a lie that is. And so moms, if you are in a place where you're feeling that way, I really want to challenge you on that. The reality is that God has graciously given me the opportunity to be Elliot and Asher's mom, and he's placed them in a family of faith and entrusted them to me and John, somehow. (laughs) And they aren't yet at an age where we can converse about the gospel, but I know we're laying this groundwork of trust and love, and that's the relationship that's essential to mission and those future conversations we hope to have. And while in the midst of so much change, it can sometimes feel like we've been lost, the truth is that our identity hasn't been compromised. Our identities aren't built on our activities or accomplishments or parenting style. They are built on Christ alone, and we know that he never changes. So I think that as moms, we have to be really careful about how we try to encourage one another sometimes. It's so easy to fall into this trap of missing an opportunity to share some gospel truth and instead hand out some superficial platitude. You've probably heard these at one point in your life, like, enjoy every moment, or God doesn't give you more than you can handle, or you've got this, you're super mom. I will be the first to say I have not enjoyed every moment, although I believe they've all been really important, and God has absolutely given me more than I can handle, and I don't like it. And I am not super mom. And don't get me wrong, I think encouragement is really good, especially for moms who perform these menial tasks without a lot of validation. But I think we can start to let performance drive our behavior, or at least I know I can. In moments of insecurity, stress, and exhaustion, I would be desperate for validation to keep me going. This often resulted in me just trying harder to accomplish things that I realistically couldn't do and really had no business doing at that point. 
the sense of pride I would feel after cleaning, working out, taking care of the babies, cooking and doing laundry in a day after another sleepless night was not worth the inevitable burnout. And it certainly wasn't what God had called me to. Probably the best encouragement I received is actually from John when he told me, of course you're going to fail. Yeah, <laughs> it's, kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's okay. It wasn't something that I needed to be afraid of and neither do you. I don't know about you moms, but nothing has revealed so much failure in such a short amount of time as parenting. It's unreal. But I've learned so much more about God's grace in this tangible way in the moments that I've felt overwhelmed and inept because he's met me in that place. We don't need to live up to a super mom title. Micah 6.8 says, He has told you, O man or woman, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and walk humbly with your God. Moms, that's all that's required of us. We don't need to impress ourselves, those around us, and certainly not God. Our culture seems to often push us into just doing more, trying harder, telling us to get right back out there, and it doesn't value where identity is truly found, in Jesus and his redemption of us. And this is why life in Christ is referred to as resting in him, because we don't have to work to be accepted or loved by him, and that is a gift. One thing that has changed and been challenged in the light of the birth of our boys is our marriage. Um, We have had five and a half years of marriage under our belt before the boys' arrival. And it was an amazing, wonderful time. Our marriage was sound, and it still is, but the arrival of twins has changed our marriage dynamic. Before kids, we were able to just pick up, go on a vacation, a date, or essentially do whatever we wanted when we wanted. Um, Now, that's not so much a reality. Uh, We spend a lot of our disposable income on things like diapers, formula, and a whole bunch of kid gear. Uh, Time seems ever more elusive. And we are constantly battling this weird, unusual sense of exhaustion, even though we're sleeping. For me, um, I've actually been nauseated the past six months due to lack of meaningful rest. Um, The exhaustion and stress have revealed an edge that has been present in our marriage, but um, really kind of heightened opportunities for for conflict. Mm. So please notice, though, that I use the word revealed um, opportunities and not created. We have realized that these things have come to the surface We're already there. They are not due to a change in circumstances, but a result of something that is in our hearts. Coming to terms with this has been humbling, and we have to be much more diligent to be kind and quick to forgive. I am immensely more aware of how my actions or non-actions can now affect my wife or children. Despite the challenges and changes, My love for Michelle has deepened. I have seen her serve me and the boys without hesitation. I have seen how we have been able to cultivate our marriage through these small moments. And it is sweet to actually see how love can change and evolve um, when adjusting to two new people being thrown into the mix. Mm -hmm. So with all this talk in Proverbs about knowledge becoming wisdom, we want to be the first ones to say we don't have it together. Spend any amount of time with us and you'll find that out quickly. 
but we are in desperate pursuit of wisdom as we falter along on our parenting journey. Job 12.13 says, With God are wisdom and might, he has counsel and understanding. Wisdom belongs to God alone, and we know we have his presence and spirit to guide us at each step. There's so much he's enabled us to overcome, and yet still so many present and future struggles that really require us to walk in faith and trust that he has us. To be honest, it's really just been the last couple of months that we've loved having twins. We loved our boys, of course, as individual people since the beginning, but for a while, having twins just felt like more work. It was something I struggled to appreciate, like I do now. On my hardest days, I would angrily ask God why he gave us twins, something he knew we couldn't handle. Now our hearts melt as we see our boys interact with each other, and we can only imagine what the days ahead will be like as they grow in their own friendship and experience life together. Having two babies has given us at least double the reminders of how much we need to rely on God's strength. And that is a blessing we would have never chosen for ourselves, but God and his grace knew exactly what he was giving us. And the same is true for you today. God doesn't give us things haphazardly. So moms, your kids, he knew what he was doing in giving you them. And for all of you with moms, he knew what he was doing in giving you them as well. Everything is sifted through his hands, and God as the ultimate super parent knows what is best for his kids. It's funny, when we gave our last Mother's Day message two years ago, um, it was a very different time of our life. We were in the place um, right after miscarriage, and I remember thinking how different of a message it would have been if only we had kids or a kid on the way. And yet, here we are today, two kids in tow, and the picture still isn't completely rosy. It is beautiful in ways that I can never imagine, but there is still struggle because life is messy and we are broken. We still think about the babies that we have lost. We are still grappling with feeling tired and at times isolated from community. And we miss some of the freedoms that we used to have. In every circumstance, the sorrow or the joys Jesus alone is our only hope. Jesus is amazing, though, because he he gives of himself, and he also gives us community. Um, And through community, we get to be uh, Jesus' expression of love um, to other people. And we actually wouldn't be here today without the support of many of you. So thank you. Thank you. The way we relate to our community, though, has also changed. We have more time constraints, distractions, and a lot more stuff to haul everywhere. You know this to be true if we've gone over to your house since the boys have been born. It takes like six trips to get (laughs) anywhere. It's ridiculous. Um, But we still have a diverse family of people who are walking with us and willing to try and figure out what community actually looks like. Um, And community is great, but we understand that a lot of you in this room feel disconnected and isolated and don't know how to actually enter into community. So if that's you, we want to, we want to help. Um, At the communion tables today, instead of sermon notes, there's blank little white pieces of paper about three inches long. Um, And if you're struggling with something right now and want to talk to someone um, who could potentially offer some understanding, write it down. 
It might be parenting related. It may not be. It might just be something you're struggling with. And on the flip side, if you are someone um, who believes they could speak wisdom into a certain situation, write that down as well. Um, and what Element will do is over this next week, they will sift through these responses and hopefully be able to connect you with one another. Um, because we really believe that when we struggle, it leads to isolation. And the way for lasting friendship and community is oftentimes just being willing to, to share. So if you are interested in that, please fill them out and place them in the offering boxes um, on the sides. Um, put your name, phone number, um, that way we can contact you and a little bit of the, the issue. Um, I would love to see some, some responses. Yeah, me too. So we know Mother's Day can be a strange day for a lot of people. It seems like Hallmark has really zeroed in on one demographic, though, most of the time. We know there's infertility and pregnancy loss. There are broken relationships with moms. There are single people who feel like maybe it's an irrelevant holiday. The reality of each of those situations remains, but so does the goodness of God, and he is over all of it. A few people have asked us how our boys have changed or shaped our view of God and Really, I feel like I've been so caught up in survival, I haven't even been able to fully process that like I would like to. But I do remember this one day when I was feeding them, and I was brought to tears realizing that God gave up his precious son, and I would never give up Elliot or Asher for undeserving sinners. Oh, dang it. (laughs) Uh, That kind of love is just staggering, you guys. Um... So if you are a parent, I want you to think about the cross in that way today. Think about what it would be like for you to give up your child and remember that God not just willingly did that, but joyfully so that you and I could have life and relationship with him and live in a kingdom that is so much better than the culture that surrounds us. He's wise and loving and kind, and he has promised to be with us in every season. So you may get spoiled today, moms, and I hope you do, but the cross is your greatest gift, so remember that. And because of the cross, we come to communion week after week to remember what Jesus has offered us through his sacrifice. And when we partake in communion, it's a response. We, we break that cracker like Christ's body was broken for us, and we dip it in the wine and the grape juice, which represents the blood that he spilt for us to be um, clean. So we, we respond by communion, and that's a form of worship. Uh, another form of worship is through giving. Um, we have offering boxes on the sides and in the back, and we give freely because God has given so much to us. We don't pass the plate here at Element. Um, another way we will be entering into worship right now is the band. The band is going to come back up, and they're going to sing a few songs. Um, And as they do, once again, there will be prayer. Uh, If you feel like you are struggling or need to connect with someone, um, please please talk to someone. Um, The deacons would be happy to to pray for you. (laughs) Careful. Okay, I'll leave her. (laughs) Um, You already helped. And (laughs) I already helped. Your response. so prayer is, is powerful, and we want to connect you with that. Um, 
So right now, thank you, and yeah. Happy Mother's Day, you guys. Moms, you are my heroes after Jesus. Let's pray. <laughs> uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you have done. You have given your one precious son to us undeserving sinners so that we may have life and relationship with you. As Michelle said, I can't imagine doing that for, for anyone. And you did that willingly. Father, I pray for the moms in this room that they will feel encouraged and supported because they rock. And it's amazing to see how much they do and how much they serve. Father, I pray, though, that mothers will learn to abandon that identity piece that comes with mothering, that comes with performance and doing X, Y, and Z, or even monitoring children's behavior and taking it personally when they don't live up to expectations. Father, I pray that you will give these mothers a sense of grace and remind them that you have them and that their worth is not based on the children's behavior or how much they could get done. Mm -hmm. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.